Teams and Judy, Twin Terrors, Flame, Macabre Manor, Mead, Metal, and Mayhem, and Circus. <laughs> and now for something different. <laughs> it's... Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors, Macabre Manor, Mead, Metal, and Mayhem. I'm Jody. And this is James. <clears throat> <laughs> I knew that's what you were going to do. <laughs> James and Judy, Twin Terrors, playing Macabre Manor, Mead, Metal, and Mayhem, and Circus. <laughs> okay, Cleese. <laughs> I was trying to do something different. Uh-huh. Hey, and now for something different. <laughs> it's... <laughs> We should put this at the beginning before we even do the theme music. There you go. <laughs> well, I'd say, obviously, we're doing Monty Python, but considering we always do stupid Monty Python jokes, it's not necessarily obvious. <laughs> oh, that's true, too. Mr. Obvious, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> <laughs> There's a varmint yeah. under my sink, Mr. Obvious. <laughs> Really? What's it sound like? That's a different comedy show. It is. That's, and they have multiple episodes for Mr. Obvious, but that's my favorite. <laughs> I think that was the first one. It, it is the best. <laughs> uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, just look up Tom, Bob and Tom show Mr. Obvious. <laughs> yeah. Or the, the Critter. The, the Critter. Is that what it's called? Yeah, The Critter. Okay, the critter. There you go. Yeah. But I'm going to take my little bit out and just put in your correct name so it doesn't ruin the punchline for people. <laughs> or I'll, I'll put Baphomet in there over. There you go. But anyway, I guess we should go back across the Atlantic. Are you are you having a drink tonight, my good man? Uh, no, I am not. I am still, uh, st- <laughs> still avoiding it. Totally understand. I'm actually not doing much. I've tried to, to start having some tea instead of my over-caffeinated coffee and stuff. So I did add to this little cup of tea uh, a wee dram of Jameson's cold brew. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's good. Cool. It's good stuff. So anyway, after mm-hmm. four minutes of <laughs> <laughs> episode, well, the episode series one arc that we had was like four episodes, I think. And that dealt with series one plus their formation and writing habits right as Monty Python was beginning. Yeah. And I, I took several episodes because I had so many notes from everything that we went through those and then we did episodes, but that ended up being me doing a lot of talking until we got to the episode. So I think when I talked to Jody, he, he was okay with this, that it'd be better if we split it up and we talk some things and then also episodes during each episode yeah. so that way yeah yeah that works cool and again uh I, I i purposely did these backwards where series one will go with their formation and writing habits series mm-hmm. two is their post-university and pre just pre python things uh series three is their university and series four would be their births and childhoods <laughs> <laughs> which uh, actually makes sense with Monty Python to do it that way. <laughs> well, it does. Although I did it because I wanted to do a, like talk about their formation up front. And yeah. then, then I thought, well, what the hell? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Let's just be dumb. I have a note here for myself that says post-university and pre-Python kept 
those bits more pertinent to the other themes of the podcast, I took out a lot. And I think that was a note I made to myself knowing it'd be a while before we got to this. I made these mm-hmm. notes a year ago and I made like huge sets of notes and then I collapsed them all. So they would kind of go together in a, an actual sort of <laughs> real formation. <laughs> yeah. And, and as I was doing that, I took out a lot, like a lot. And what I have left is still 10 pages before I even get to my episode. Notes. <laughs> so, I'm assuming that I will also remove a few things here. But we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> What did I read? Like 10 books? Eight books? I read all their autobiographies that I could get. Well, there's Payton, six. Or five, five or six. Uh, four. I don't think Jones has one. And Palin's wasn't so much an autobiography, but as a diary. So I was going to mention that. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Chapman had one? Yeah, Chapman had one. Uh, I think he called it uh, like the Liar's, Auto, Liar's Autobiography or something like that. Wow. It was hilarious they're all hilarious idols was hilarious cleese is funny as fuck uh gilliams was actually the least funny but it was even hilarious because he was a little more trying to be serious mm-hmm. man i tell you chapman's you know obviously right before he passed away yeah yeah <laughs> it has it was fantastic and yeah then i read a couple actual python biographies by other people and so yeah six seven cool. eight nine books i don't know there's a wow. lot and you did a lot more than I did. <laughs> yeah. I, I had family in the hospital during the time, so I had plenty of time to read too. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, I'd say I've, I've watched, uh, I've watched some documentaries and uh, listened to, uh, what was it? Pythons on Python or something. There was something you gave me. It was, um, it was, I guess it was an audio book, but it was actually them doing interviews. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so I've, I've listened to that and I've, of course I've watched the series and uh, well, or, that's yeah, that's the most important bit. Yes. Well, here we go. Let's just, okay. Let's just jump in and hope we don't land in a crunchy frog. <laughs> I still love that bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Uh, idol. <laughs> I got to go. Cause we start doing lines. Yeah. No. David Lee Roth, I don't mean those type of lines. <laughs> All right. All right. Not, not going to go there either. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to do some cocaine? <laughs> uh, all right. So Eric Idle was uh, doing some acting. Oh, so again, uh, this is just after university before Python. Yeah. And uh, there will be some TV shows coming up, but the way we split this up, they'll probably be a bit later. So this is almost like these first few things are almost right after university. It kind of all overlap. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> really, I've not had a drink all day. So. <laughs> all right. So Eric Idle. Yes. Was doing some acting and would miss cues while writing sketches because he would be doing the acting. But when he'd be off to the side of the stage or, or wherever, he'd start writing sketches and they'd be like, Eric, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I could see that actually. Yeah. He, enjoyed the writing part a lot more Mm -hmm. which which goes with uh last the series one thing where we talked about how they didn't fight to be have roles they fought to get their skits on (laughs) yeah Uh, let's see he uh he wrote radio scripts for humphrey barclay who we've talked about Mm -hmm. uh, for his i'm sorry i'll read that again which also included john cleese yeah 
uh, would hang out at Sherlock Holmes Club after shows, which really doesn't mean anything at all, except I personally like Sherlock Holmes, and I thought that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he mentioned birth control being very liberating. Which I bet it was. I've heard that. <laughs> I know we've discussed that a little bit about how uh, bands like Zeppelin and and everybody got a lot more had a lot more fun because they didn't have to worry about it was pre AIDS, mm-hmm. but you didn't have to worry about all the kids either because the sexual revolution had started. <laughs> yep. <laughs> which also matches with that first series arc where he read from the children's book. Your wrinkled, tinkled, tumble belly sells contraceptives or whatever. The- <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah. Uh, Chapman. Mm-hmm. And again, some of these actually intersect with other episodes. And I, I've got notes on doing an episode on the sexual revolution, uh, which is probably why I put that one in there. <laughs> that would make sense. Yeah, doing an episode on sexual revolution. So I stuck that in there. <laughs> <clears throat> Chapman. <laughs> Wrote for Petula Clark's TV show. This is Petula, Petula Clark, uh, which mm-hmm. was on the air from 66 to 68. And uh, he talked about having to do 10 different intros for Downtown, which was one of Jimmy Page's first top hit sessions. <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah. And I won't mention again, Harry, having uh, used, I used to have, anyway, I won't mention that again. You won't mention that he, you uh, have her doing the German version? I used to. You used to. I used to have it. Yeah. yeah, I won't mention that again. Okay, you don't have to this episode. That. Okay, that's <laughs> no, but you should when we get to the um, German episodes of Monty Python. <laughs> that's a good point. If I remember, <laughs> <laughs> legendary flood, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did also want to mention that the Chapman that I'd mentioned before, he's a mountaineer and an avid climber, and he'd done Snowden, the area where Jimmy and Robert wrote some Zeppelin songs in Wales. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I said, I recognize that name. I <laughs> uh, went to New Zealand with Cleese for theater group. I, wow. Okay. That's the first time I've actually heard that. I did not realize they had gone to New Zealand. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, man, I took so much of this out because there were so many cool, fun things. But I, I put, I kept one thing in, said one of the surreal bits was when Cleese ordered the goose and it was lamb because in New Zealand, colonial goose is lamb <laughs> <laughs> that's that's funny but man there's some stories about drinking because it was hard sometimes to find a drink some stories about hiking and yeah it's, man i yeah i had to cut out a lot <laughs> I, I imagine and uh, so we, we've discussed chapman being mm-hmm. gay right uh, but it's during this time where he met his future life partner david sherlock while writing with cleese and i um Hey, Sherlock. Sherlock. (laughs) Wait a second. Was I to light your club? (laughs) So Spanish. Eyes are pronounced like E, right? So it's Ibiza, right? Uh, Yes. So so they wrote in Ibiza in 1966. Uh, His autobiography actually said he was following a gorgeous bull who looked like a goer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and he did tell close friends, which would include Cleese and Idol and others, in 1967. Mm-hmm. And uh, Eric, here are how the Pythons handled it, that the knew him at the time. Uh, Eric didn't handle the news the best, nor did John, but they weren't horrible either. Mm-hmm. Graham gave Eric a pass by saying his mom looked like Mary Whitehouse. 
<laughs> so, so that was to be expected. And what uh, what Deep Purple episode was that? Uh, uh, who do we think we are? <laughs> so, yes, more information on her. Go listen to that. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, but Eric actually wrote about it, too, in his autobiography. And he said it wasn't a problem for him at all that he and Cleese and others were just irritated because he'd been sneaking out to see David when he should have been writing and working. <laughs> now, now that I do remember from the documentaries <laughs> that, that that was kind of their attitude, that it wasn't so much, you know, they weren't bothered with, that he was gay. They were, yeah, yeah, bothered by the other part of it. <laughs> when, when, did, when did they decriminalize homosexuality in the UK? Because I, I know like you know back during like the 30s 40s and i think 50s it was illegal Man, because, I think... because of alan alan turing the the mathematician was gay and you know even though he helped them he helped the british government win world war ii <laughs> uh-huh yeah yeah uh 1967 oh okay so all right so, I mean, right, like right around, well, here, I've got a note here someplace. Uh, that was right around the time that he tells them, I yeah. guess, then, yeah. Yeah, but it's still probably, even if it's not criminal anymore, probably tough to come out. Yeah, yeah, well, because he didn't, he didn't publicly come out until 72. much later. 72? Okay. Yeah, I got that note there, too. That's only, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have okay. known that offhand. <laughs> okay. So, not, not much later, but enough, enough later. Yeah. Cleese's disagreement with Graham's notion that they were shocked uh, when Graham came out of the closet, he said he was surprised that he didn't care that he's gay, but he's surprised because of how butch Graham was, but said it didn't really affect anything afterwards. I, you know, it was rugby and mountain climbing and pipe and beer. And because yeah. of, uh, supposedly at the time you could easily tell if someone was gay, uh, according to the straight people who weren't around non poof to gays. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was going to say there's that, that concept of the, of the, the, the poofter, poofta, whatever, you know, yeah, which they actually kind of joked about in the series. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have a talk about an episode here pretty soon where I picked up a, a certain line. <laughs> yeah, which probably unknowingly irritated a couple of our gaming friends, but they like Money Python too, so hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I've got a note on that here soon when yeah. we get to that episode. Um, but interestingly enough, Cleese said that Gray, their nickname for Graham, so if you hear mm -hmm. me say Gray, that's, you know. Yeah. Uh, he, Graham Chapman, actually hated effeminate gays. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah. Which, which makes, I mean, you know, that actually makes sense. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't care if you suck dick. I just want you to be manly. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I get that. I, you know, understand everybody's got their own personal point of view on that. Yeah, I <laughs> I like strong women. Not every guy does, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, I totally get that. That's uh, I think I'm in love. She can kick my ass. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, oh, what's that awesome cartoon video? That, so this will be getting into some heavy metal for for anybody who, uh, you know, if you're not into it, just forward about 15 seconds. Yeah. Uh, but the heavy metal band Avantasia, the, the story ain't over. There's a cartoon video that goes with that. And I don't know if it's the actual video that the band put out or somebody just merged them together, but it's this 
heavy metal guy, but he's like this geeky, scrawny dude who likes to draw. And he mm-hmm. sees this short, stocky biker girl mm-hmm. going around and he spends the whole video trying to find her to give the keys back. And and she kicks his ass once. And <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. And <laughs> we get that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and uh, another note that goes with some, you know, Cleese wasn't 100% sure about him being gay because when they would go over to Peter Sellers' house to work, mm-hmm. at the time, Peter Sellers was dating actor Britt Eklund, and Graham Chapman would not stop staring at her. <laughs> but I, if I, yeah. Well, as beautiful as she is, if I was gay, I'd still probably check her out. She's, uh, Oh, yeah. Which backs up one of our episodes where we talked about her in full core shows such as The Wicker Man. Yes, I was I was going to mention that. <laughs> and, and great movie. Oh, oh so good. Uh, let's see. Oh, and uh, came out publicly in 1972. That was my next note. He's one of the first celebrities to do it. And here's how okay Eric Idle was with it, at least. Well, I'm sure at first even, but later on, definitely, because uh, later on, a Python fan was upset about a gay member in the group mm-hmm. because of the Bible. Uh, <laughs> and his, his, okay. Python, <laughs> his Python friends already knew, and Eric Idle responded with, we found the perpetrator and killed him. <laughs> <laughs> Time for Cleese. Okay. And anything that overlaps, there may be, you know, if I mention overlapping with Graham and Zealand, so, you know, I, yeah. I tried to cut that down, but so uh, he's offered a job by firm where solicit uh, for that were solicitors. Solicitors. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> to the Bank of England uh, for two and a half years, as long as he got his degree. Uh, so, and Idol had mentioned in his autobiography uh, about the Frost Report saving Cleese from managing grocery stores, but. I don't, I don't know if Eric was wrong or that was his sense of humor. <laughs> that kind of sounds like his sense of humor, but you never know. It does. And then maybe it's a combo because the company's name was Freshfields, which does sound like a grocery store. It does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, instead, uh, because of a 1963 review, uh, which we'll talk more about in university years, reviews were things that the class would give, mm-hmm. uh, which included future director Humphrey Barclay and fellow actor Tim Brooke Taylor, uh, who would also be in Do Not Adjust Your Set and at last the 1948 show that we'll mm-hmm. talk about soonish. Yes. Uh, but uh, some men invited him to have a drink. They liked his material and asked him to work in the BBC Radio Light Entertainment Department as a trainee producer writer at 30 pounds a week, which was a fair bit more than Freshfield's 12 pounds a week. I love the work. <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> well the work money was nice easy decision <laughs> I, well yeah I, that's <laughs> on behalf of us two greedy stingy <laughs> yeah. hey jody do you want to go work in an office for this much or do you want to go write music for two and a half times as much <laughs> let me think about it fuck that <laughs> <laughs> i might not be the best music writer but I'll give it a shot. <laughs> we'll see where it goes. <laughs> and I can only get better. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Just, you know, especially when you find good people to work with. Yeah. Which is why I moved to Alabama to get away from you, you bet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I'm just... <laughs> 
and yet here you are. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so after accepting the BBC job, uh, the Footlights Review Group uh, invited to do the show on the West End, which is the Highbrow London Theatre area. Mm-hmm. Now, where they use the name Cambridge Circus, uh, but it, it helped. He said this is where he really learned the rules of comedy, including in t- uh, timing, which is which is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you don't want to step on laughs. Sometimes you got to be patient, let the laughs come, and then get back in. Yeah. And uh, Graham soon joined as well, which is then where they went to New Zealand. Okay. And I, I do have one more New Zealand thing here that's centered more on Cleese. And this is actually a thing that happened. So I'm going to read this as Cleese wrote it. Okay. And you'll, you'll see how this may have affected some of his writing in the future, specifically certain Python sketches. Ah. <clears throat> when you encounter culture totally uncontaminated by logic, it eventually undermines your reliance on reason. For example, Johnny Lynn walked into a department store in search of cufflinks. Where do I find cufflinks? He asked. Try the tobacco counter. No, said Johnny, indicating the cuffs on his shirt. Cufflinks. Yes. Try the tobacco counter. Okay, thought Johnny. After all, this is New Zealand. So he strolled over to the tobacco counter. Excuse me, do you have any cufflinks? This is the tobacco counter, was the reply. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a Python sketch. (laughs) My nipples explode with delight. (laughs) He did end up having a show on Broadway. Uh, He, with, with, some of the, the Cambridge guys and then did some own thing, but mm-hmm. much better to kind of read his own thing. It's a big section in his autobiography. It's chapter. Yeah. Uh, but he does mention that here's where he found, found out he's not interested in fame. He just liked the thing. Um, yeah. Maybe why he, um, yeah, well, I'd say foreshadowing, but this has been 50 years. So if you don't know, Cleese quit between season a uh, series three and four. <laughs> yeah. And uh, is, is partially from the insanity of the fans in Canada, which we'll get to sometime. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was during this time in America when he's doing theater that he met Gilliam. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I was thinking this was um, when he met Gilliam, but he wasn't, he wasn't necessarily the one that got Gilliam in with Python though. No, no. I think we talked about that last time, but you're right. He, yeah. Gilliam knew Cleese and I think Cleese set him up with with like introduced him to one or two mm-hmm. people that were in what the 1948 or um do not adjust your set or, or one of like somebody who got him into a show where what were idol palin and jones were in i think so yeah that was was that the kids show yeah 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 that's what i was thinking but yeah yeah when 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 uh gilliam went to london he looked cleese up and that was the kind of the progression from there yeah so yeah it's, it's kind of really cool because how they worked um gillian wanted john because of john's great facial expressions and they did a photo shoot mm-hmm. uh, where john realizes that his daughter's uh, barbie doll is attractive and and things kind of progress from there <laughs> nudge, 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 say no more <laughs> Uh, well, here, uh, this might have gone better in Gilliam's, but I've got it here. But you'll you'll appreciate this if you didn't already know. Mm. Uh, at the time, Gilliam was working for help with an exclamation point. 
Uh, that was a magazine, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The Hope magazine went from 60 to 65, published by James Warren, who is also responsible for horror comics, Creepy, Eerie, Vampirella, and others. Mm, nice. Yeah. He launched his own men's magazine, After Hours, which led to his arrest on obscenity and pornography charges in Philly. <laughs> and uh, also notable for help was the editor, Harvey Kurtzman. Ah, Kurtzman. Yes. Mad Magazine. Yes. Yeah. And you also may know him as I do from his work in Playboy with little Annie Fanny. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderfully naughty take on little orphan Annie, which I love. I, yeah. I probably yeah. read those as much as I looked at the naked ladies. <laughs> oh, the, the, especially in the seventies, the Playboy comics were excellent. Gillian was in the second Python Cleese worked with professionally, Graham being the first. <laughs> yeah. And as uh, as things were ending in uh, New York, uh, Broadway, uh, he was contracted by David Frost to help with the new BBC show, which would later become The Frost Report, which will be in one of these series two episodes, you know, as, as we kind of split these up. Yeah. And uh, ready for Palin if you are. Sure. Okay. Uh, Palin told his parents he's going for interviews. So again, just after university, mm -hmm. but he did not tell them they were for TV positions. <laughs> uh, That's not a proper job. No, no, it, it was not. <laughs> uh, but he got a job at the at a pop show in Wales called Now in 1966. Mm -hmm. And I've read in Python interviews also saying that it was in Bristol. So showing that nothing can be agreed upon decades later. <laughs> yeah. But because he got the but, job, but it wasn't it wasn't in Bolton <laughs> or not Lob, not not Lob. <laughs> the, the same pet store, only in. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you're wondering what some of these zingers Jody comes out with come from, you need to rewatch Monty Python. <laughs> yeah, uh, but the, this job allowed him to tell his father what he wanted to do because he actually had a paying job. Mm-hmm. Although he was glad they didn't watch the show. Uh, for example, there's a, click of, a clip of him in drag looking for a man for sale in a store window. <laughs> uh, but then uh, at this time, he started writing with Terry Jones at the BBC. Mm -hmm. and, and I think now was Welsh because I've seen more information that it was a, a Welsh pop music show. But comedy wasn't everything. So Palin got to do jokes and sketches. I also done a few bits for BBC before because his sister worked there, not as, you know, comedian, but, you know. It's... Mm -hmm. And uh, you want to know some of the bands that appeared on now? Uh, sure. Okay, so not that we've talked much about them or maybe not even in passing, but John Mayall's Blues Breakers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know we discussed them. We have. The, the, the band. The band. band them. Yeah. yeah. With a capital T. <laughs> yeah. uh, the animals that we mentioned in our folk episodes. Yep. And the Yardbirds. Ooh. Jeff uh, era. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because Clapton may have been with the Blues Breakers. Yeah, yeah it could have been 66. Yeah, I'm trying to... Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, I'm not going to look it up. Sounds about... It is close, and we'll end up doing episodes on the yeah. Yardbirds anyway, so... Right. Yeah, but that did uh, give him enough money to go to London, write with Jones, 
and get married to wife Helen Gibbons in April 1966. And uh, wife, he is still with to this day. Wow. Always, always nice to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just got one thing with Jones by himself, and that's that Terry J got a job with the BBC out of university reading scripts, which helped as his parents didn't really think it was a viable profession, like most of the others. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they even let him film them, including a rather neat stop animation with deck chairs that his father, because he now had a paying job, helped move around while Terry did the camera work. Cool. And then we talked about both the Terrys really mm-hmm. liking the direction, being the directors. Yeah, because he, he winds up being a director, uh, well, co-director on one of the movies and full director on the other. And uh, Let's see, but that's that's it for jones alone but i then have a couple notes on jones and palin because if you remember they worked together as python writers because they had already been working together as writers just just like chapman Uh, so so jones went on to work for something called the love show but his current writing partner didn't want to work on that so he got palin to help after Mm -hmm. Palin finished now and uh, the love show was going to be about attitudes of sex throughout the ages, <laughs> which, which Jones came up with as it was just before the sexual revolution. Mm-hmm. And he was reading things such as the Kinsey report, which is a, a huge sexual attitudes report uh, from the sixties from a researcher from Indiana university. Yes. Yep. And Jones took a BBC directing course that Palin helped with, uh, which goes into the movies that Jody just mentioned <laughs> and uh, the frozen peas commercial that we mentioned in the series one episodes. Yeah. And maybe I should do Gilliam real quick. Hope used captions from old paintings and engravings. And um, he, when he worked at help magazine and Gloria Steinem actually had that same job at help before Gilliam. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. The feminist. Yeah. And uh, underground comic artists such as Bob Crumb worked with Gilliam at help. That makes sense. Goes with those awesome 60s and 70s comics. Yeah. He went to England in 1965 and made a huge cartoon hand to help with hitchhiking. (laughs) (laughs) He talked about how businessmen still wore bowler hats, which would change soon, which helped the perfect timing of Python because they were both allowed to make fun of it, but it was still the normal thing. So people knew what was being lampooned. Yeah. Uh, he, He dug... Ken Casey and his Merry Pranksters, something Jody's brought up a few times. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> his, uh, his goat hair coat that we talked about that helped him get the the job with pythons because I don't like this coat. Yeah. Just a three-quarter length suede thing bought in Istanbul for 200 Turkish lira. Uh, and he, that, was, he hitched- that was back in the, I was going say that was back in the days when you could hitchhike across Turkey and Europe and several other places. And- I don't know, you could probably hitchhike across Europe now, but there's a few places I don't think I'd try it. Yeah, I might want to skip a few. <laughs> yeah. And he hitchhiked, motorcycled around Europe until he was broke. And then uh, Rene Goskini, the co-creator of Asterix the Gaul, gave him enough money to get back home to New York. Oh, cool. Uh, when, when he got back, he went to California, photographed Frank Zappa, and got to be the party noise background of America Drinks on the 67 album Absolutely Free. Cool. And then went to photograph the Monterey Festival and loved it because it was less muddy than Woodstock and less violent than Altamont. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, 
did some work in advertising, did a great soup ad campaign, but the soup never made it into the store where the ads ran. And he said that was quite Python-esque. That reminds me of one of the sketches I just watched. (laughs) Cool. Should be there soon then. Uh, Let's see. Here we go. After the Center City Riot of 1967, which I'm not going to get into. Look it up if you want. Uh, Yeah. He decided to leave and drove east with Harry Shearer of Spinal Tap and Simpsons fame. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. He talked about being accosted by northerners because of their hair. So it wasn't just the south that, you know, wasn't wasn't liked everywhere. Mm -hmm. So he got to London. Worked as an art director of The Londoner, where his girlfriend at the time was the editor, uh, but also got the job because they wanted some American attitude. Okay. And this was the girlfriend we mentioned in the first series arc who impressed his Monty Python colleagues when they were first getting together because of how attractive she is. Yes. Oh, hey, here we go. After arriving in England, I kept in touch with Cleese, who pointed him to... Humphrey Barclay, who hired him to do some writing and cartooning for Do Not Adjust Your Set. <laughs> so there you go. Yay! Jody remembered. <laughs> Somehow. I didn't have a note. <laughs> <laughs> notes? We don't need no stinking notes. He became a hit within that specific world when he volunteered to do the animations. He'd never done them before, but assumed he could. You know, because he volunteered. <laughs> yeah. It's, he said it's a blend of naivete and pragmatism and a little, mm-hmm. damn it, and a little bit of luck. And I did a good job. <laughs> the, um, the, okay, so, so the, the complete flying circus is out on Blu ray in a box. Or actually, you can buy the individual series, you know, season, whatever. Um, but I, I got the box set. And on the fourth series, um, since there weren't as many episodes produced, they've got a little bit more of the the special features. And there's one where um, Gilliam is sitting down with one of the guys that was working on remastering the series for Blu-ray. And he was showing him how much they were able to um, clean up and improve the look of the animations that Gilliam did. And he was just ecstatic. <laughs> oh, cool. Nice. So yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was really cool to watch. Oh, damn it. I have to buy that. I've already got I, them all, but now I need yeah. the special features. Well, I see the other thing they did uh, uh, between, uh, well, when they, when they remastered all of these, they put back in some of the stuff that got cut out for the BBC. So you may want to get them anyway, just to have, I mean, if you watch it on Netflix, most of that stuff was on the Netflix stuff, but yeah, if you want it for, for home video, you may want to get the Blu-ray anyway. Cool. I think the versions I have have everything, but eh, you know, just in case. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. He said, uh, I simply bring this up because I do this off the wall stuff with enough confidence. So it works well. And as a contextual note from James, I have done that at so many jobs. Hey, who can do this? Yeah, I can do this. Have you done this before? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Five minutes later, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> uh-huh. oh, let's give it a shot and evidently I at least do as well as they thought I would. <laughs> so, Yep. <laughs> you don't know until you try. Mm-hmm. He also mentions his technique was to take images out of their original 
Context! <laughs> yeah. And for more context, it was similar to 17th century Puritans who would snip out representations of God or the Holy Spirit because you weren't allowed to show them from mm -hmm. pre-Reformation religious artworks. Uh -huh. So it's not just my dear evangelicals out there who get mad at other religions in the world. Mm -hmm. You, you fuckers, <laughs> also wouldn't allow representations which yeah i also know actually a lot of like the baptists and, and certain protestants don't like catholics with their stained glass windows and statues and stuff too still true not true. supposed to show them well does it say that in the in in the bible yeah, it says a lot of stuff in the bible that's true it does <laughs> anyway uh i'm gonna before that <clears throat> So although in Terry's case, he would liberate soldiers or politicians or religious figures and put them in a dress and make them do something ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, fits in perfect with the rest of the cast. <laughs> in fact, he said, fitting in with the cast, the more solemn or humorless the art was, the more potential there was to work with. <laughs> and yes, yes, because because the absurdity of what they did with it just made that juxtaposition work <laughs> you know let's see uh here we go he thought one of the best ways to be successful at this was to blot out the sensible brain mm -hmm. and the reason i put that quote in there is because there's a mickey mouse nemesis called the phantom blot that was also uh has fought scrooge mcduck <laughs> <laughs> should have known <laughs> I have been keeping track of how many episodes I slip Scrooge McDuck in there, by the way, and it's it's in the double digits. <laughs> uh, it's it, He does say it's how he came up his, with his whiter-than-white detergent ad for the Do Not Adjust Your Set after watching the Enoch Powell Rivers of Blood speech, uh, which we either have mentioned or will mention in our original heavy metal podcast um, when, when we put those out as special episodes. Okay. I, I don't, yeah, it's a, uh, you know, Powell's Rivers of Blood thing is uh, pretty sure if I remember, it's an anti-immigrant type of speech. Oh, uh, that sounds like it. In, in, in British Parliament. Yeah. So, and um, just for some context, uh, the Vietnam War was going on at this point. Which mm -hmm. was one reason Gilliam liked Europe because they're less militant. Yeah. And he got his honorable discharge in April 1968, just as he was meeting his fellow pythons. Cool. Now, there, there's a big story he has in his autobiography too about how he managed to go to Europe and kind of evade the draft, and he's about to get drafted. It's it's really good, but it man, I already put so much in there from Terry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go read his autobiography. That's right. Go read him, you bastards. This doesn't give you <laughs> flavor enough to go read it. <laughs> well, and that is uh for their single things and then i've got like where they start working together on different tv shows before the python tv show okay and then i've got some information about series two but that would also be good to wait okay so so i know we we said we're gonna do some of this and then episodes but we're running a little long <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what carol cleveland said yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's my only line <laughs> 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 yeah. 
series one go back listen to those or go yeah. watch them even better <laughs> yes yeah because we're, we're not going to do those episodes justice <laughs> <laughs> no so so yeah we, we may just end that one here and then the next episode will be on some of the actual episodes and then we'll jump yeah. back and kind of eh, whatever yeah that yeah. works cool so yeah um go share us with friends and family and stuffs yeah those people fuckers oh sorry we love you all beautiful people yeah <laughs> fuckers we do we do no yeah, we, i got nothing else for now that i can't wait for the next one yeah me neither all right then we shall let y'all go and do do your do your thing yes <laughs> yeah yeah go do your thing <laughs> shut up <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm James. I'm I'm Jody. <laughs> Bye. Bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. But when they did my labs, my potassium levels were fine. So I was like, okay. So they were K. Yeah, they were K. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, I, you've done the others, might as well. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, we'll do the American on his own because. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Oh, shit, that threw me off enough. I didn't even say my usual thing. <laughs> <laughs>